You're listening to Burnout Made Me Do It, a podcast for Monday haters looking for change, where I share tips on how to prevent and recover from burnout and interview amazing guests that come and share their stories. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Hollingdale. I'm an ex-burner turned psychotherapist and coach, and I help people feel happier and more fulfilled in their workplace. Now let's get to the good stuff. Roberta, thank you so much for taking the time to answer a few questions for me and my listeners. I know they're going to get so much out of this as so many of them find themselves in the positions of trying to figure out how to work with people who are technically above them in the hierarchy and are also trying to figure out how to be a good manager when they get into those roles. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I think our first question is for folks who are unfamiliar or have yet to hear the term, can you tell us what is managing up and why is it important early in your career? Well, managing up is about managing your boss so that you can get the resources that you need for your team and for yourself. What is it that you think early career professionals struggle with the most when it comes to managing that managing up process? Well, I think first and foremost, most people don't even know they have to manage up. And I personally experienced that in my book, Suddenly in Charge, Managing Up, Managing Down, Succeeding All Around. I share the story when I was 24 years old and I was tossed into management overnight And I found myself in the executive suite. And six years later, I got taken out by a wave I never saw coming because I failed to manage up. However, in my own defense, I never I never heard of managing up. So I didn't know I was even supposed to do it. But now I know better. I think that's so true. I can certainly speak to to my previous career that a lot of the listeners have heard me talk about ad nauseum at this point, which was in PR and marketing structures, and not really understand that managing up was a thing, just thinking that I had to go along with whatever the managers told me, and not recognizing that that was a sort of a a two-way relationship. Now, in your book, you talk about kind of common types of managers who can be challenging to, to manage up. Uh, most of my audience talk to me about a micromanager and a, a laissez-faire manager. What would be your key advice for someone dealing with each of those managerial types? So let's start with a laissez-faire manager and let's define that because a lot of people listening may not know what that means. Um, A lot of times when you get a laissez-faire manager, you think, oh, this is great. This is the kind of manager that's completely hands-off and I don't have to worry about anything because they're just going to let me do my job. And what you find happening with these bosses is they don't really keep tabs on you. And so when the time comes for your review, they haven't a clue. They don't know what you've done. And so one way of managing them, especially around review time, is to do your own performance review, highlighting those areas where you have excelled and reminding your boss of all the revenue you've brought into the organization and all the savings you've created and the new customers that are so delighted because you're there. So that's the laissez-faire manager. Um, That person needs a lot of managing because they're the kind that, you know, You'll go under that premise, oh, if I don't hear anything, everything's good. 
but that's not always the case. So you have to go in and check in with them like, you know, hey, uh, just wondering, you know, finish this project. What did you think? How am I doing? And then you're going to want to go back and make sure that you write that down or you send an email saying, you know, hey, thanks so much for your feedback. Here's what I heard you say. Kind of creating your own paper trail. Uh, for the other kind of manager, the That's micromanager. Very, very <laughs> oh, yes, the micromanager is very popular. Um, you know, micromanagement is really about trust. So the person who is micromanaging you doesn't really trust you. And so you have to constantly be in a position where you provide them with enough information so that eventually they stop micromanaging you and they micromanage your colleague. <laughs> We're uh, sharing the love of the micromanager. Send them along to a colleague. Exactly. What about in a situation and lots of the folks that I'm talking to are themselves feeling burnt out in organisations or are working within teams where their managers are already pretty burnt out and either disengaged, so maybe that speaks more to that sort of laissez-faire manager, or they're so stressed out themselves that they become a bottleneck or they become, you know, the, the person who provides those crisis deadlines that didn't need to be a, a crisis. Any advice for working with a manager who is just super fried and overwhelmed in their own role? Um, as far as managing a boss like that, you know, believe it or not, most bosses don't wake up thinking, you know, how am I going to make this person's life miserable today? They just don't. They may do it, but they don't wake up thinking, I'm going to do this. And so you need to bring to your boss's attention just some very specific examples so that your boss knows that, hey, maybe I am being a little too assertive here or I'm putting too much pressure on this team right now. So if you point out specific examples that's really the best way to go about that. Great, like communicating where you're seeing the, the challenges arising and the, the yeah, I mean, that's causing within the team. It can be as simple as saying, you know, I, you know, we really want to get this project done for you, but you may not realize that in the last week, you've given us literally seven priorities. And if everything's a priority, we have no way of knowing what is a priority. So can you help us out by telling us you know, what are the one or two things you absolutely want us to focus on? Great. Get them to narrow it down. Get them to, to sort of create the priority list, truly create the priority list. Well, that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and many people are struggling to do it, it seems like at the moment. So having, having skills to be able to help them uh, do it, I think it's going to be so important for folks as they go through their careers. What about advice around setting boundaries? This is a very popular topic amongst coaches and therapists. You know, every problem seems to come down to have you set good boundaries around that? And I'm sure you, as, as I have, have had bosses where boundaries are difficult to set and hold, or they, they seem to inadvertently cross them with what they're asking. Well, so if you're a new employee, you have a great opportunity to set boundaries. And that by that, I mean, you know, don't answer emails at 10 o'clock at night, or don't stay at the office every night if you're in the office till eight o'clock. You know, don't come in every, every morning at seven. 
Come in some mornings at eight, come in some mornings at, you know, nine. Don't be predictable because you're going to set this expectation that, oh, well, I can send her an email at 10 o'clock at night and by midnight, I'm going to have an answer. So, so part of your, your advice would be to not create that impression in the beginning. Like I, I know a lot of people go into new jobs and they're like, right, for the first three months, I'm going to be this everything to everyone 24 seven exactly. employee. And that is setting up that, that negative dynamic for them. Yeah. It's setting up an expectation. If you're not willing to live up to will only lead to disappointment. Any ideas or any thoughts on what if everyone else is doing the 24 seven availability and you're the one holding the boundary? Like, is that something that you recommend or, or how would you approach that? Well, I think you have to ask yourself if this, if this is the environment you're in, is this the right environment for you? You know, I'm back in the day, you know, when I was in the corporate world, there was one financial institution here in Boston that, you know, look, you knew if you were taking that job, they were going to own you body and soul. I mean, heck, they paid really well. If you went to work for them, you made a lot of money, but you had no life. You know, hey, everybody makes choices. So if you find that that's where your situation is and that doesn't work for you, then you're not going to change the culture. You're going to need to go find a culture that's the right fit for you. So, so kind of examining that and thinking about it as being a, a culture fit versus you doing something right or doing something wrong. It's whether yeah. we're the right fit for that place. Right. Yeah, I like that. Um, and you also, I think in mentioning um, how we deal with the laissez-faire manager, talked about like doing our own performance review. Extending on that, how can uh, early career professionals kind of successfully thread the needle between um, positive self-promotion and being that irritating person who keeps telling you how great they are. What's, well, what's the right line? <laughs> you're asking the wrong person because I'm into the shameless promotion. I mean, if you don't toot your own horn, there is no music. So I'm not too worried about sounding too boastful if I have the stuff to back it up. And, so and let me just say, say this, loud, say it proud. Let me just say this, um, you know, and, and you can send the hate mail to Kim. Uh, <laughs> women are especially not great at this. And while they're holding back and trying to be nice and polite and not bragging, their male counterparts are in that kitchen telling everyone how great they are. It's, it's true. Feel free to send hate mail to me for that because I absolutely agree. Whilst women are often just getting on with doing the work and trying to be a valuable contributor to the, the team and hoping that that will be noticed and appreciated, uh, a lot of our male counterparts are just saying what a, a valuable contribution they are. Right. And, and let me tell you, your work will not speak for itself. I mean, if it did, then you would have to explain to me why so many of these famous artists, their work was not recognized until after they died. And I don't know about you, but I want to be recognized while I'm on this planet. When you put it like that, it seems like we absolutely just need to power through any discomfort with Get it over and start it. speaking <laughs> our, our, our self-truths. Um, who do we speak them to? Is it to everyone? Do we need to go directly to our boss? Any tips on how to, to go about it? 
Well, you look for those openings, right? So let's just say you and your boss and her boss are in the car going somewhere and you know, her boss is talking about, you know, we really need a new website design and I'm not quite sure how to go about it. Yet you have personally designed the website for your daughter's soccer team. You know, you could just kind of say, you know, when I developed this website for my daughter's soccer team, which, by the way, won an award, here were some things we thought about. I would love to talk to you more about that. I'd love to, you know, be a part of this. You know, let me know if you'd like to hear how that went. So just kind of looking for opportunities to weave into the story. Love it. Thank you. Now, on the flip side, so the the other side of, of your book is when you're in that managing position for the first time, the suddenly in charge part. You talk, I think, beautifully about the first 90 days and how critical that can be. So for anyone listening who is being kind of thrown or has fought their way into that position and is just starting out, what are the, the sort of top tips, the, the steps that they need to take in those first 90 days to set themselves up for managing success? Well, first and foremost, you know, don't be so worried about getting the tactical piece right. Because management is all about perception and how others view you in the organization. So this is your opportunity to really start to build relationships, build them with your team, build the relationships with your peers, build them with your boss. It's not about making sure that the balance sheet matches perfectly or that you learn like how to do a PowerPoint presentation that's going to blow everyone away. Like, forget about that stuff really focus on building relationships. And what about if, if I may ask your story, I know that you've had experiences and you talk about them in your, your writing, but for anyone who hasn't yet read the book, and I highly recommend that they do, um, could you tell us a bit about your journey and, and how you've kind of arrived at the position you have? Well, as I mentioned, when I was 24 years old, I was tossed into management. What I didn't mention is that my boss was fired and I went into work and the president called me into his office to tell me. And I did what I thought any other 24 year old would do. I asked for her job and they actually gave it to me, which was insane because all of a sudden I was a, an executive. I was 24 years old. I thought I knew everything. But now I was an executive. I had a corner office. I had a, you know, a personal parking spot, like the best in the company. Like I was hot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I got tossed out six years later and then went on to work for other organizations, building their HR uh, departments from square one. And then over 25 years ago, went out and started my own consulting practice and now I work as an executive coach. I do leadership development work. I'm a LinkedIn learning author. I have eight courses on the platform, and I've written six books, uh, soon to be perhaps seven, on leadership and talent. Congratulations. That's quite a, quite a journey you've been on. Thank you. <laughs> What's been for you the biggest point of learning? And I know that's an incredibly difficult question to to give a single answer to no it's it's a it's a very easy answer if you don't manage yeah if you don't manage up you're not going to have to worry about managing down 
because you're not going to have a job. That's it. Wow. That, that makes it clear. That's a, that's a beautifully put answer. Thank you. I have to say when I was 24 years old and I was thrown into this job, um, one of the things that my boss did give me was a coach and that was life changing for me. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. When you're a manager, there, you know, you, there's no one you can really trust. You can't really tell your boss you don't know what the heck you're doing. You know, you just, yeah, there's a lot of need to have somebody to bounce things off of. And in my role as a coach, that's a lot of the work that we do. I also work with people um, as a result of the fact that I help organizations uh, with their talent strategy. I also work with individuals who are looking to um, rapidly accelerate their job search. I don't do the kind of coaching where you're not sure what you want to do with the rest of your life. But if you know where you want to go, I can get you there a lot faster than you can get there on your own. Absolutely. I believe, you know, I believe in staying in your own lane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when I reflect back on my career, I mean, I was a horrible boss. And if you don't believe me, you can Google um, apology from a first time boss and read an article I wrote. And this is how I know I was a horrible boss. One of my former employees actually read the article and she wrote back to me and said, you know, you really weren't that bad, that bad. So she added the that. And so, you know, I'm sharing that with you is because we don't come out of the womb being great leaders. You know, it takes a lot of work to be a great leader. Um, it takes a lot of education, you know, learning by trial and error. And so, you know, you might not be a great leader today, but my hope is you will be one tomorrow. Thanks for joining us this week on the Burnout Made Me Do It podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you want to know how much burnout is costing you, you can go to my website, www.burnoutmademedoit.com, where you'll find a free burnout calculator. Till next time, friends. Remember, Mondays aren't the enemy, burnout is.